With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered ChumbaCasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This week on the Marketers Report, Patrizio Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, Direct to Consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on building trust. Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy. And we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. As the number one audio company, iHeart Media gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the data you need to grow. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. Welcome to the Celtic State of Mind Daily Bulletin. It is Wednesday and it is the turn of myself and Amy Canavan to bring you the latest news from Celtic in the last 24 hours. Amy, we've just actually come off another podcast together, so anyone that's been watching has had almost two hours now of the two of us together. Um, lucky, lucky there, then. Actually, <laughs> yeah, just seen a comment coming in there saying, oh no, not again. <laughs> yeah, but it's us. Um, Hi. But yeah, we're here to discuss what's happened um, in the world of Celtic in the last 24 hours uh, and what a 24 hours it's been there's actually so many stories we're looking to cover today let's see if we can fit them all in but we'll start with the main kind of story that's broke and that is came from Hugh Keevans on Clyde Super Scoreboard last night who confirmed that Celtic have reached out to Eddie Howe to ask the question whether he would be interested in the Celtic job looking at some of the reports that's came out He's not the only person to have been contacted and also Eddie Howe has been contacted by other teams as well. Preferably his first option is a Premier League team. I don't know how much truth's in that, but is Eddie Howe the right man for the Celtic job? Amy, what's your thoughts? It's Like I say, it sounds like a broken record, but um, I think he's the most... Sort of like approachable in the sense that I think he's the one that we can probably get. Um, we've just spoke off air. Martinez is the dream, of course it is. But I think that's totally and utterly in a world that I'd like to be in, but I just don't see it happening. I think how is as a 
is an admirable option, but also like a plausible option. I think that we could get him. Um, so yeah, I take how in a heartbeat, absolutely. So um, let's hope that Hugh and, and others, like I, said, I don't know, has it actually been confirmed that it's like, I know he's came out and said that, but is there verification that is actually true? Obviously, there'll, there'll never be that sort of verification no. um, that he'll, but I mean, Hugh Keevans does still have fantastic contacts yeah. at Celtic. Um, anyone that's heard the football insomniac that I had with Anthony Haggerty has heard the story of how Hugh Keevans is one of the only people to get a story out of Henrik Larson in his time at Celtic. So it does show um, that the old man still got a lot, of, a lot of life left in him. Um, and I, I mean, a lot of people coming in saying, "How now?" I, I've been going on now for the last sort of four or five months that Eddie Howe for me would be the ideal man for the job. Um, and, I mean, the, the comment coming in here from Kinky Hedetti just saying, Eddie Howe is just using us as a bargaining chip to get an EPL job. He's never coming here. I, I really don't know about that. I mean, there's only so many jobs that someone like Eddie Howe would be kind of put forward for. You're not going to see him in a top half team. So you're looking at teams that's fighting towards the bottom half of the Premiership, teams that are kind of sitting in that relegation battle um, whereas if he comes up to Celtic and he has a success up here, suddenly um, he's then touted for the bigger jobs that he wouldn't have been um, he wouldn't have been touted for before. You've seen what happened to Brendan Rodgers. I mean, <laughs> take a look across the city at, at Rangers. I mean, suddenly Stephen Gerrard's been put forward for the to be Jurgen Klopp's replacement. Look, it's incredible what success and what is apparently a smaller league in Scotland can do for a manager's reputation. So um, I think for Eddie Howe to come up here, I think it's a great fit at Celtic, especially someone that has the the kind of history of working under the sort of director of football, sport and director idea that um, Celtic are looking to introduce going forward. A name that's been linked with the job of that sport and director is David Webb, as someone that's worked with um, Eddie Howe before. I mean, I think probably we're sounding out a couple of options, but if Eddie Howe is one of them, then for me, I think it's it's we're heading in the right the right sort of path. We're going in the right direction if that's the calibre that we're looking at. Yeah, absolutely. Like you say, it's one of those. I, I get what the comment means. That it's the like I think people obviously still look back now that oh. Um, Brendan Rodgers used this as a stepping stone, but to be honest, that's sorry, that that is what we are. We are that stepping stone club right now. Like a massive rebuild is needed, um, and I get there is a lot of people. Out, I think in the coming days as well, there's a lot of people saying that is he actually the right man for a total and utter rebuild? I do still sort of see them in the sense that he could bring this sort of new style of football sort of, that that we need. We, we need something to rejuvenate, something to, to really kick start us again. Um, and again, I'd like to see, okay, there's people who, who are anti-how, fair enough, but give me a name that we actually can aim for, we could really secure who, who could do a better job than now. I think right now we have to be realistic in the sense that like, we're not like Steve Clark, it's just not it's just not gonna happen. Martinez, I really do not see that happening. Benitez, I do not see that happening. So if somebody could offer me a realistic alternative to how then I'd gladly, gladly hear it like I really would. But um and I appreciate that he's maybe not got the, the silverware behind him like the big silverware. But Promotion through the leagues, especially in the Premier League, is no mean feat. Um, and he certainly done that with a, a squad. That he, there, there's some great players down at Bournemouth, but he had to develop those players. These players weren't coming in and they, they were tailor-made. No, there's development there and he really had, he had to build. So I understand that people are, are not saying that they, 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 they don't want him in for the rebuild, but he really had to build something for Bournemouth. And remember, he'd done that in two spells. Um, mm-hmm. He has he's done a lot down there for Bournemouth. Um, and yeah, like I say, the fact that there are there, you you can hear from fans down south that there are there are clubs that would want um how so that speaks volumes as well. Obviously, our club's not going to come out and say, "Oh, we want anything." How, of course not. But fans are wanting are wanting them as well, and they're seeing them a lot more than some of us. Um, so there is obviously demand there. Um, and yeah, like I say, I just think that how it is time to try something new. I understand that he's not got the Celtic links, but. I think maybe that's been on a little bit of a downfall in recent times for Celtic fans that we've sort of narrowed ourselves in the sense that we need to just look at from within 
um, or yeah. with, with players that have a connection. Now, I understand in recent times, maybe Ronnie Dyla has not been, uh, for some people, the, the best um, example of that. But if you give a guy time and, like I say, this is a real time that he's coming in now in a rebuild. He can really stamp his style on the, the, the game here. Um, and on Celtic, and I think that he is sort of at the stage of his career that Celtic is the right move for him. I'm not bringing this up just because we have the same initials, but CW has just come in here saying Eddie Howe still had some of the same players in the Premier League as he had in League One. He couldn't manage better players. Now, I don't agree with that. I think what that suggests is he's actually developed those players, and that's something that we haven't seen under Neil Lennon over the last two years. We haven't seen anybody progress, really. I mean, I think the only one you could maybe um, kind of su- suggest has progressed, but probably not to the level that he should have, is Christopher Ayer. Um, everyone else seems to have taken a, a big step back. Um, I'm sure everyone knows my thoughts on Ryan Christie's performances this season, but he's, he's an example of someone who has really regressed over the last 12 months. Um, and that's what I want to see from a, a new Celtic manager. I want to see him trying to get the best out of what we've got there, as well as looking at some of the players that he's brought in. Guys like Joshua King that he brought in for next to nothing and then developed him into a fantastic player. Jordan Ibe, um, who was kind of let go from his club, brings him in, develops him. Anyone who, um, after this podcast, obviously we don't want you leaving now, but go and take a look at the performance that Bournemouth put in under Eddie Howe. It was a 4-0 victory against Chelsea, under Sarri's Chelsea. Um, and some of the football that he was playing, when you're talking about a team that were sort of towards the bottom half of the Premiership against a team that were up towards um, fighting for the title, sort of top four area, that performance is, was outstanding. It was the passing and the movement that you see and that everyone classes as the Celtic way. That was the sort of football that we're playing, a sort of high press, um, getting in Chelsea's face. It's only five minutes long. Just watch that clip and imagine seeing that sort of football at Celtic Park. That would get the fans on side, in my opinion. And I honestly think that someone that is only what? He's in his early 40s. Okay, uh, quite a few people have said, well, he went to Burnley and he was homesick. That was quite a while ago now. Um, This is a guy that's now out of a job. Um, He's looking to get his, his foot back in the door at a football club. And I honestly think that um, Celtic would be a fantastic option for him. And I don't understand the idea of people saying, well, he's not kind of won anything. He's done massive amounts for Bournemouth Football Club. They've done, they've got a whole documentary on how they, he saved Bournemouth Football Club. For me, he's the man for the job, and I've been saying this for months. Um, and the fact that we're going and asking him the question suggests that we're also looking at people of that calibre um, and people that have come out and distanced themselves from the job, like Paul Lambert, are actually nowhere near um, what the board are considering um, because Lambert would be a massive step back. Yeah, um, like I say, <laughs> totally not appreciate. You're never going to please every fan because you see, you can see the comments coming in here. Right, he's not um, managed at the highest level. So real catch twenty two. Like maybe he's not because. That the highest level, so you're you're saying EPL, but you're talking. I'm assuming you're meaning the highest level, maybe like a club like Crystal Palace. I know I keep going back to that. I've not got anything against Roy Hodgson. I'm really not. Um, but maybe he's not going there because it's not as lucrative, and he can see himself going to a, a more lucrative club, i.e. Celtic. You can't please these fans. Um, they're saying that oh, we are a, a bigger club in Palace, but oh, why isn't? Um, how got a job then down south at one of these clubs? Maybe because he like you just can't please everyone. You really can't. Um, like I say, I keep going back to the point. I really do think right now. I think with the new board coming in and everything, I personally would like to actually see somebody out with Celtic um, to come in and just because I think we sometimes like get a little bit too stuck in our ways that oh there's no I appreciate it. and I'm not saying that we should be I'm not trying to sound like Jeremy Frimpong that oh we get used to to winning or um, that we shouldn't um, follow our history and because that's not what I'm saying but I knew we we are all sort of in a demand that something has to change that we are in a period of change you're not going to get change if you're bringing in somebody who's if you bring in somebody who's being coached the same way as Lennon, being coached as an under O'Neill or something like that, there a lot of that is going to 
be similar in the way that Lennon has coached because you emulate who your, your predecessors and, and who you've had your biggest success under. Um, you know, we've both interviewed, you interview ex-players ex uh, going into coaching and they say, yeah, you try to bring a little bit of every manager. If you have everyone has that same success under O'Neill, then they're going to bring a lot of O'Neill's qualities. And if people aren't wanting that, then that's what I mean. We need to have that little bit of step away from perhaps that era, like talking about like, your Neil Lennon's, Paul Lambert's, um, I think on BT Sports Go the other day, there was something about Chris Sutton at 500 to 1. Um, but I think we just need a, just need a little bit of a break from that sort of system. Um, and you know what? If it doesn't work out, then it doesn't work out. But there's so much if, buts, and maybe they sell to go for the last few years. And again, Brendan Rodgers didn't come straight from a job. He had a little bit of time out. What's wrong with Eddie Howe having a little bit of time out? Um, and I think more than ever, that's not really an excuse or... Not even excuse, but I don't think that that's like a vantage point. It's been a global pandemic. Maybe he just quite simply didn't want a job right now. Um, there's lots of guys out there that, you know, it's family time. There's lots of different things. And I'm, I know I'm sort of just sounding like just a bit basic, but these things all sort of come into to consideration, like you say. So you had that, that period of... Um, homesickness at, at Burnley maybe then that's why like, he didn't want a job during Covid because I mean you can't uproot a family during that and there's just there's a lot of factors going on so I think right now to sort of pull in those sort of sides and those slants and I just don't think that's the time to be doing that during a, a Covid period No and there's, there's a, a couple of comments come in that's been saying that Howe doesn't have any European experience Um <laughs> There's a there's a lot of coaches out there that don't have the European experience, uh, but it doesn't make them a bad coach. Just I mean, Howe's had to kind of handle what he's been dealt with, um, and the fact that he took a guy from they took a team from basically fighting for relegation. Um, they were they had seventeen point deduction that they managed to get back from and still make their way into the the um, the Premier League. I know quite a few people come in saying, oh well, they had the Russian influence and the Russian money. They still didn't spend anywhere near the money that's been spent um, by the teams in the top league. And he was outperforming what Bournemouth should be doing as a club. Now, I get the point that obviously he was homesick at Burnley, but he didn't necessarily have the worst record at Burnley either. He was still doing fairly well there. Um, honestly, I think Celtic should look at themselves as a progressive club. Um, we do it for players. We see players that come in, guys like uh, Moussa Dembele, guys like Odson Edward that you know they only have a shelf life of about three to four years. Um, you know they're going to develop and they're going to move on. I necessarily don't think that's a bad thing um, for managers either because you see it after a certain period of time, even towards Rogers' kind of final days and final games in Charter Celtic, so many people were saying he'll move on in the summer because it's kind of getting stale. We need to, to move on. Uh, we need to find the next person to come in. So, Nobody was anticipating that Rodgers was going to be here sort of five to ten years. So what what is the period of sort of, what's the shelf life for a Celtic manager nowadays? For me, I think it's three to four years. And if you get that out of someone like Eddie Howe and he moves on to a bigger club and you get the, the money in for him, then you can reinvest that in the next manager and bring the next person through and they'll have another three to four years. I don't know what you think about that. Yeah, I'm told As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. It's the Marketer's Report. This week, Patrizia Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, Direct Consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on the difficult task of building and retaining consumer trust. Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy. And we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. The best thing for us to do is to build a relationship with our consumers. And if those consumers have a relationship with the DJs that are on air, then we want to build on that. House of the Dragon, which was one of our most successful, if not the most successful campaign we've ever done for a show, audio was a core part of that. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. Not just a media company, iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. Totally with you. Um, like I do agree. 
because we need freshness is needed. Um, you're not going to have managers like Fergie being there for twenty odd years. Like that's just not the the climate football's in nowadays. Um, and it is. It's a it's a results based game as well. Um, so I I think three to four years. But I just wanted to touch back on that point. Uh, there's a lot of comments, and you said it yourself. The European experience. Rogers had it, Lennon had it. That didn't prove well for us. Um, like I say, they're, they're, it's just so conflicting. You really are never going to please some people because you can't say. So we are aware that we need a clean slate. Um, I.e., the board, the management, everything. It is going to be a clean slate. We're talking about this new chapter. Ten is over. It is a new chapter. So if there's any time to bring in something new, something different, somebody un-Celtic, then surely this is the time. Now, I understand there's your, your traditionalists that are wanting, you know what I mean, you're wanting somebody who's had 500 games for Celtic and X, Y, and Z, but that's just not the world that we live in. And I, I just think there needs to be a lot of realism that, yeah, we all want Benitez, we all want Martinez, but there has to be realism. You can't be saying in the same breath, oh, Celtic aren't this European stalwart that it used to be, but we should be bringing in Martinez. Like, it's just not going to work. It just doesn't go hand in hand. But like I say, I think the the fact that he's not been in a managerial role for however long he's not been in, I don't think that that's an excuse not to have him. And I certainly do not think that the European experience is like a red flag. Because like I say, Rogers had it and... Yeah, we, we can talk about Rodgers all you want, but no matter what, his, his European record was absolutely shocking. Um, it's not one to look back on with joy. And that's been the case for Celtic for many a season. Neil Lennon as well, it's not been... Um, I know you were in Rome, but it's not <laughs> been... Um, <laughs> there's not been that many highlights. It's not been consistently... like, And I'm not... I'm not trying to a dragon, but you look across across the city. Um, Gerard doesn't come in with that managerial European experience, and I think with all sort of take their European runs that they've had under Gerard, and and we'll probably get a little bit of slagging for that. But you can kid yourself on. Of course, we all would. That is where you want to be. You want to be heading into the whatever they're heading in the last sixteen of the Europa League. Um, last 32 for the last two years or whatever like why why can't we sort of aim like that now maybe maybe that is the way forward to, to shake things up a little bit yeah I mean you take a look at it Celtic's not one uh, knockout qualifier sorry a knockout game in the European Championships whether it be the Champions League or the Europa League since 2004 that's how long it's been since we won a straight knockout tie now obviously there's been times when we've got into the group stages of both the Champions League and both the Europa League but once we get past that, there's, it's it. Once you get to January, you play one tie, you get knocked out. Uh, you're right, the, the kind of run that Rangers have been on the last couple of seasons is something that Celtic fans would absolutely take because they want to be seen as a team that can get to that sort of level. Absolutely. Um, and I, I completely agree with you. You're kind of in a situation where the next man to come in has to get a lot of the fans back on side. Um, now, as you said, how won't get everybody on side. But I think once you see the football that he manages to implement um, and getting... <laughs> obviously, you've got to be dominant again in Scottish football. You have to win the league. That's the that's the bread and butter. That should be the kind of staple for every Celtic manager is that you have to win the league. Um, and then after that, it comes into the European thing. So everyone that's saying he's not got the European experience, he will get it he will get it at Celtic and he'll be given the chance to develop it at Celtic. As you said, I was in Barcelona when um, Celtic got beat 6-0 at the Nou Camp. 6-7-0. Uh, I've, I've tried to erase that. From I was going to say, you don't shout about that one as often as you shout about no. Rome. <laughs> because it was it was a terrible um, yeah. performance, an absolutely terrible performance. Uh, but then you, there is, for every 7-0 or 6-0, I can't remember, I'm trying to forget it, at the Nou Camp, there's a 2-1 in Rome. Um, even under um, Brendan Rodgers with the 3-0 against Anderlecht. So you will get the good performance every now and again, but you're looking for that consistency. Um, I don't know. Uh, for me, it's Eddie Howe, and I don't know if you're not going to go for Eddie Howe, who's going to fit under that sporting director, director of football type manager? I've seen people coming in, guys like uh, Jesse Mash, um, who have probably murdered that pronunciation of his name. But that's the kind of Player, the kind of managers that you're looking for. Someone young that's going to use probably Celtic as a stepping stone for their next job. Um, but as long as you get something out of that two, three, four year period that he's there, for me, I think you can't argue against that. 
Yeah, I'm totally with you. Um, maybe it's not the best that we're in such agreement. But um, like I say, if somebody can present to me an, an alternative to how that we can afford and th- that we can just grasp, because like, and I'm not, t- and I'm, uh, sound, like I say, I sound like a broken record. Yeah, we can all dream that Martinez and Benitez, but if you can offer me an alternative to Eddie Howe, then I'm all ears. I really am. Yeah, definitely. So, I mean, obviously, we're only two members of the Celtic State of Mind team. I've seen someone coming in on the comments saying, what happens if Howe comes in and he drops a couple of points, blah, blah, blah. Look, we, we're on Team Howe, right? There's other ones like, um, I'm trying to think, Jim Orr has been a massive kind of, been right behind Ralph Raniuk from the start. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm trying to think, Kevin Graham even threw Jack Ross into the ring. Uh, mm-hmm. And... Paul's been behind the Martinez Maloney combination. It just shows that every Celtic fan has a yeah. And Mark Hughes, we don't like to mention that because we get a lot of comments coming in saying stop. They're already there. But yeah, we are building. We're giving our opinion as Celtic fans, and that's the thing about this channel is there's so many different views. So you might not agree with us, and that's fine. But we're kind of putting our point across, and you tune in on a different day, and you'll hear a different point. So. both of us are in agreement here. Eddie Howe is our man, but we'll back any Celtic manager that comes in now because we know we have to kind of look to the future and see Celtic back in a position of dominance. That's where everybody wants to be. Yeah, absolutely. So, Eddie Howe is the name that is being discussed today. Who knows what will be discussed tomorrow? Um, it's been an incredible 24 hours. You don't think that during a period where Celtic's not even playing to the weekend that there'd be so much to talk about but there is um, and I just want to go back to something that was brought up on Go Radio last night um, and it was Jackie McNamara's comments now for anyone that hasn't seen it uh, and sorry Kevin Graham just coming in here to say I threw Jack Ross into the ring but I was never behind him um, <laughs> <laughs> that's, a, that's an interesting one um, I don't think Jack Ross will be anywhere near the Celtic job just being honest and I don't think Kevin thinks he will either just to clarify that one um, so Jackie McNamara on Go Radio last night um, and he's talking about the players performance this season now we can all agree that a lot of the players haven't put in the performances we expect from them this year but just to kind of work on a couple of quotes on what he said um, he said if they had Martin O'Neill in charge they wouldn't be losing goals from set pieces now, I agree with that. You look at Martin O'Neill's team, you had guys like Bobo Baldi, Johan Mialbe, eh, Stan Varga, Jos Valharan, big towering centre-halves that put the fear into the attackers um, and won quite a lot of things in the air. I think Celtic were really clinical at set-pieces under Martin O'Neill. Uh, but he also said that you have to work on the basics. And if you're looking to the, the next manager to come in, you don't have to work on tactics. That's for the the managers and the teams that are in the upper half, the, the top levels. Celtic need to work on the, the basics. Again, something I agree with. I think this season, the basics is what has let us down. You take a look at the amount of goals we've conceded from set pieces, some of the silly mistakes. But it was this last bit. Players now are being told where to stand, where to pass the ball. The snowflake generation might not be able to handle the kind of training that we had under Martin O'Neill. The the snowflake generation, that is just a big red flag. The reason it's a big red flag is Jackie McNamara is the agent for the current left back at Celtic, Greg Taylor. I I was astounded when I read that last night, Amy. It was just, I don't understand. He's He's not doing it personally. But this attack on the Celtic players also includes one of his agents. Imagine being Greg Taylor and reading those comments. Yeah, um, I'm sorry with you. And a lot of what he's saying is kind of right. Um, mm-hmm. uh, again, like, so, like you say, if you're talking as a Jack McNamara, former Celtic player, then that's absolutely fine. And you can sort of take that criticism because um, this is coming coming right from the horse's mouth and yeah I, I, I sort of do um, agree with that but like you say you sort of chuck that fact, that key crucial factor into the cauldron that he is Greg Taylor's agent and it's not the most um, supportive and sort of 
like heartwarming sort of sign, is it? That it's not like a lot of trust. Um, I'd sort of take it. I don't know. I think we spoke about it just a little bit um, before we came on air. Like it's one of those ones that I actually like. I, I do agree with them, and in, in the sense, I just think agents. It's a tricky business anyway. Like it depends. I think that's the sort of a time that maybe like I like Jack McLemore, and but it's maybe just that he shouldn't really be commenting on the situation at all in the sense that he is Taylor's player um, I don't know if you're going to bring that up from Kevin but I think that's a really quite an interesting point because if, if, then if that's the case then yeah I think then that's um, yeah I sort of agree with that and I'm trying not to say it because I don't want to I don't know I'm just sort of playing devil's advocate but I can sort of see Greg Taylor probably agree with that in the sense that he came back from he came from um, Steve Clark's sort of Eras, his training. So, yeah, I think that is probably fairly true. But does it reflect well on Jackie Mack and reflect well on Greg Taylor? Probably not the best. I, I just think that time for coaches is gone now. There's very few coaches nowadays that um, you see that can get away with the shouting at players and running them into the ground and um, just kind of the Martin O'Neill style. Martin O'Neill hasn't been successful as a manager in the last sort of five to ten years. There's never been a period in his sort of managerial jobs that he's had, even when he was the manager of Ireland. That suggested that that was going to work. And then I seen Roy Keane at the weekend basically having a go at the boy Doherty at Spurs. Mm-hmm. And then he had the chance to, have, to put his own point across. And he says that when O'Neill and Keane were in charge of Ireland, it was a complete shambles. So... I think that period has now moved on. You can't just shout at someone and expect them to play well. You actually do have to look at the tactics. You do have to look at the coaching. The amount of times that we have been, um, we've struggled to break down teams that put 10 at the back. They put 10 at the back and you try and break them down. That's down to tactics. That's not down to the fact that the players aren't running five miles in training every day. You have to actually coach that to say, well, if you're playing a team that's putting 10 men behind the ball, this is how you can break them down. And that's the tactic that a lot of teams are using and it's been so successful for them this season. So I, I really, I don't agree with that, but I do agree with certain things that you're saying. Yeah. We do need to look, we do need to work on the basics. We do need to improve the defence. But just some of it, you're just saying, that generation's gone, you have to move on. If you want to be a manager in the current day and age, you have to be more progressive than that. Yeah, absolutely. And like I say, it sort of pins back to us saying maybe that's why Lennon's style of football isn't working now. He's sort of going back to what O'Neill was talking Yeah, I'm not saying that the players are snowflakes now. I'm I'm, I'm not trying to be in the same breath as Jackie Matt. But it is a different game in the sense that, yeah, very good if Jackie and, and Neil and that, they used to know where they had to go. But I guess it's now just sort of became... Just sort of came second nature. Yeah, footballers do really do require a hell of a lot of training um, and they do require a lot of man management. And that's why Lennon's approach and, and Paul Lambert's approach isn't really working nowadays. And you, you look at... Um, like you look at like Klopp on the sidelines, you look at Pep on the sidelines, they are going through every single motion with the players. There's And it's not just a coincidence that, that those antics and those um, like really heightened enthusiasm is is working and these teams are succeeding and Lennon slouching back feet up with John Kennedy isn't working. Yeah, you can sit back and say, well, I used to know where I used I should have been standing, so you should know where they used to be standing. You maybe had better coaching when you were a kid. These guys don't. There's a lot, like I say, it's just the game has moved on and it's, um, yeah, it, we can all look back at the time Martin and Neil style was, was perfect and everything was swimming. But the game in itself has moved on. It's not a physical, it's not as physical a game now. It's all, it's intricacies and it's little, it's, it's, it is movement and everything is, is so delicate and so detailed and so technical. It's not the physical game. Like you look, it's not the game that was 10 years ago, 20 years ago, 30 years ago, 40 years ago. Like it's just not, it totally is and it is a cliche, but it is a different ball game altogether. When you take a look at it, I don't know if anyone's had the chance to see Scott Bain's interview after the game at the weekend. Now, basically what he said is they tried to change the way that they were playing football. They wanted to play a possession-based game, um, playing out from the back, trying to dominate possession and trying to show off Celtic's ability on the ball um, and the kind of players that they had. Now, Scott Bain's saying that's a change 
from the way that Celtic had been playing over the last sort of two years. But listening to that, it reminds me of the style that Brendan Rodgers tried to implement at Celtic. Obviously, John Kennedy being a coach under Brendan Rodgers. Now, if John Kennedy's seen that the style of football that Celtic have been playing hasn't been working this season, why didn't he come forward and say, we need to change this up? It's, it's clear to me that he's kind of let this go on and on. And now he's in as the caretaker manager. He's putting his own kind of tactics and style across. I, I just think we, we've kind of, we, we, let, we let it stew for far too long. Um, and you just wonder what could have happened if we'd made this change a bit earlier in the season. Now, again, I'm not advocating for John Kennedy to get the job. Definitely not. I don't think he's he's got that ability to take it forward, but he must have learned some different coaching styles. The fact that he's been here under four managers now. I think we said that ourselves. Um, that's been a week now since um, since Lennon's gone, and we said at the time... Um, I can't remember what I was going to say there. I honestly cannot remember what I was going to say. Well, what moment? Um, that's I should be reading the comments, but um, it's one. It, yeah, oh, now I remember. Regrouping me, but um, if the players come out and play under Kennedy, then it's like so. Have they not been playing under Lennon? Like I say, like first team coach and all of that. Like there has to be some sort of print uh, made in the side. If it's one of those ones that Lennon's not been listening to Kennedy, then. Well, we're never going to find that out. We quite simply won't. But like you see, the players coming out and saying, "Oh, we've not been doing this. We've not been doing that." Then why not? And how not? Um, that's not fun. But like, how have we not just been? It's just not seeming a very team effort. And perhaps like if if Kennedy was saying to Lennon, Lennon wasn't listening. Maybe that is why Kennedy's in the role now and didn't leave with Lennon. There are so many if buts and maybe's. And somebody said earlier, I'm sounding like Derek Johnson saying that, but. <laughs> it's just one of those ones that you will never really know and it is just like a, a story that you're just trying to predict the end and who knows if Lennon was stubborn and just wasn't listening or if Kennedy just never put these um, these suggestions forward it really will just be those unknown that's, that's what some of the comments are coming in saying here just basically Facebook users saying how do you know that Kennedy didn't try to make those changes Lennon was the manager and never really liked that style he did mention that when he came in at first when he was in his caretaker um, he said that they were going to continue to play the style that Rodgers had implemented throughout the squad. Um, and then when he took the job on a full-time basis, it was trying to change it up. And there was almost a sort of hybrid between the way that Rodgers wanted to play football and the way that Lennon wanted to play football. Um, I mean, you saw it more. Celtic tried to go more direct at times. Um, the kind of idea of building up from the back, uh, passing left, right, left, right, Um a lot of the time you see not under Rogers the ball kind of done a U shape. It went out to the left, out to the right, and eventually got they got a crossover. Um, then we saw this season probably the full implementation of the kind of style of football that Neil Lennon wanted to play, and it didn't work for us. And that's all we can say is that the style we wanted to play didn't work. Um, now Kennedy's trying to go back to what he learned under Rogers. We'll see it for maybe the next five potentially 10 games that we're going to discuss in a second because the Scottish Cup could be coming back. Um, but it just probably shows that we needed to move on from the kind of style of manager that Neil Lennon was to a more progressive manager. Um, and I just wonder if that had happened earlier in the season, would things have been different? I've got some maybes all the way. All right, Derek Johnson. Um, <laughs> but no, so definitely it was interesting comments from Jackie McNamara and a lot of people coming in saying um, I'm a snowflake for reacting to it. Well, maybe I am, but I just think there's um, it's probably not the right time. You've to got to protect your players at the end of the day. You've got to protect your players, um, yeah, and protect like your clients as well. And like I say, it just who knows if if um, Greg Taylor tipped them off to that. Hi, Kev. Um, but we'll never know. Um, but like I say, it probably just doesn't bode well right now. I'd say. So. I don't think he should have mentioned it because of his connection to Celtic. He's on Celtic TV. He's Greg Taylor's agent. I think that's the, the wrong place to say it, but everyone is obviously entitled to their opinion. Just like everyone who's watching along is entitled to their opinion, uh, we're delighted to have you here on a Wednesday lunchtime. Thank you for spending it with us. We're live on Facebook, YouTube and on Twitter. Get your comments in. We'll bring some of them up later on in the show. We're just about halfway through the bulletin now and there's still lots to talk about um, that's happened in the last 24 hours. 
Before we go into the Scottish Cup, I want to bring up the transfer rumour of Odson Edward. Now, this is one that doesn't seem to be going away. Um, the Transfer Window podcast were out last week and they are saying that Arsenal have had a solid inquiry um, for Odson Edward. €25 million Euros is the um, the fee, which works out roughly to about £22 million. Um, pounds. Look as if Arsenal are trying to replace Alexander Lacazette, who will be moving on in the summer. Twenty-two million pounds for someone who's only got twelve million—sorry, twelve months left on their deal. That would be a fantastic bit of business if that goes through. But um, it's certainly a lot higher than I was anticipating. I don't know what you would have expected. What for Lacazette? No, for Edward. Oh, for Edward. Sorry, um, at twenty-five million. Twenty-five million euros. Is it's the, twenty-five the million euros. Part. And you yeah. think that's higher than what you would have? Yeah, I, I honestly, I mean, he's, the guy's only got 12 months left on his deal. I guess it would be different if you'd signed him to an extended deal, considering the fact that he was linked, what, sort of £30 million mark only 12 months ago. I think if you still managed to get £22 million for him, that's an incredible bit of business. I'd be looking for a bit more. I'd still I understand that there's only the 12 months um, on Eddie's contract. I appreciate that. But I don't know. I'd still be looking at that higher end of um, 25 to 30. Yeah, definitely. Um, how long did Tierney have on the end of his deal? How long did he still have left? Four years. Four years, okay. Um, I, I don't know. It's a tricky... It's, it is a tricky one. Like you say, there is... Um, the, the fact that there is only 12 months left but I don't know I think in the sense that 22 million how much we go to PSG well that's what a lot of the comments are coming in saying that potentially PSG have got a 40% sell on clause I yeah. don't think that's ever been confirmed um, but that is the sort of the rumour that goes around um, so even if you take that on it's 40% of the profit so if we say that it was bought for £9 million again that fee's never even been considered um, then you're getting 40% of £13 million PSG would be getting, which is about £5 million. I don't know. I just feel that... I just... I, like I say, I appreciate that there's only a year left on his contract. I really do. But you just need to look at... And I'm not just talking about Kieran Junior, but you look at like the other um, the strikers that are kicking about in the Premier League. There's That, that one comes up and that hits me every time. Ollie McBurney, £20 million. <laughs> If he's worth £20 million, I'm sorry, I'm worth £20 million. Um it's absolutely ridiculous and that's when I'm thinking I just feel that if, if our Arsenal can Arsenal can do better than that in the sense that they, they can we can push them for more than that if they really really want them um, I think it's about time we play a little bit more hard to get yeah it is going to go and at the end of the day if he wants out then player has so, the power of a player is, is so um, so colossal nowadays but no I'd still I don't know I think I'd genuinely even with just a year, I think I would be disappointed if it was the 2022. Because like I say, you look at uh, Sheffield United side, the money spent on um, McBurney. I don't know how much Burke was. Cause that's just that. 15 million. Pound or 15 million. Like there you go. Um, for a guy who's... <laughs> right, well, there you go. 15 million for Burke. I don't even know. Who did they end up getting him from? Where did, was it still West Brom? I don't even know. Mm-hmm. Um like I say, he couldn't have had a, a very long contract. He wasn't really there. Um, like Rian Brewster from Liverpool. I appreciate that's Liverpool. It's a bit different, youthful and all of that. But Eddie's still youthful. Um, I, like I say, I, I understand the contract. But if you're talking about his youth and you're talking about his um, Eddie's potential still, the way that he's the way that he's playing this season. Do you know what I mean, this is deemed one of his worst seasons. And how many goals has he bagged? He's 20 plus already, I think. Yeah. Um so, yeah, I just think that if um, if McBurney can go for twenty million, then the potential and sort of just the, the prowess of, of Edward still it has to weigh in something. It has to weigh its weight in gold. I just got a lot of people coming in here trying to correct my math, saying that forty percent of twenty five million is ten million and things like that. No, it's forty percent of the profit. So there's thirteen million pounds of profit. So it's roughly about five million pounds that PSG would get. Just wanted to clear that one up. Um, just like you go for that. <laughs> but yeah, a lot of people saying uh, McBurney, terrible player uh, Brewster, terrible player um, <laughs> People saying Please don't mention that guy's name again It's the <laughs> Sheffield United forward um, Yeah, honestly he's The money that's spent down there But 
there's always been a thing about Scottish football where teams have been so, I don't know, they kind of been reluctant to spend that kind of money. Now, obviously, Arsenal spent the money on Kieran Tierney um, two years ago now. I just think with 12 months left on the deal, if you get £22 million, I think it's a fantastic bit of business. Um, I just don't think you can sit here and say it's fantastic. I really don't. Again, I appreciate the contract. I really, really Mm. do. But you're looking at Tierney right now and they're laughing at us that we only that we let him go for 25 like they are proper laughing I was like I've got one of my pals is yeah. a big Arsenal fan yep. and he's totally like he's like any day any time he's like 25 million my god that is like it is total bargain you look at the, the stats to Tierney and it's to no surprise to us of course but he really is a, he's a total and utter game changer he's bringing everything to that Arsenal side that they have been lacking he's out for a game and everything hits the fan it really does so I just I don't I just don't see how you can sit here and think 22, 20, whatever million for, for Edward is fantastic. Yeah, I think I'd be like, right, okay. But I just do not see it being fantastic. So then just playing devil's advocate then, if you do, if you hold out for that kind of money and it doesn't come, do you just let him leave in the summer on a free contract? I understand that's the catch-22, it really is. But I just, yeah. I can't not see, like, and I'm not just meaning Arsenal, but there are so many clubs out there in dire need of a striker. Um, and it's the same with Ayer. There's so many clubs that they in dire need of a centre half. There is a real lack of um, youthful talent kicking about. All the big, big clubs snap them up. Haaland, Sancho's obviously kicking about, but there's only going to be a few. Like in the summer, there will be a few clubs able to compete for Jaden Sancho. Um, if it be Man United, PSG, Real, everyone's sort of kicking about for him right now. So there will be there is that sort of aftermath as well like I say and it's yeah. a tournament there's a it's a tournament summer as well which I think some people think hinder but I think that can say kind of help somebody could have an absolute howler and um, clubs are like right we need somebody and there's, obviously Edward's still very young um, but I think it's just it's going to be an interesting time I really do but um, at 22 million I don't. I would not be jumping out my seat and grabbing that every chance. I would push, but maybe that's just me being a little bit. That's maybe the feminine coming in. I want a little bit more money. <laughs> what a shock! So, so, for for example, if you take a look at it and say the transfer fee is twenty two million pounds, is what's been rumored. That's that's the price. That's not us making this up. That is what has been um, mentioned on the transfer window podcast. You're looking at a twenty two million pounds. Celtic's never going to spend twenty two million pounds on replacing them. But potentially there's some other people out there um, that Celtic could be going for. I've looked at some of the people that's out there and I'm going to suggest some potential replacements. Anyone that's in the comments, drop their um, potential replacements coming in as well. I've looked at players like Plymouth or Giles, Luke Jeffcott. He's a Welsh under-21 international. He scored 16 goals for them this season. Um, this In the January transfer window, he was linked with moves to Sheffield Wednesday for three and a half million pounds. Again, a young guy that can be developed and brought in. I think he stands just about six foot one tall as well, so it's a kind of tall physical striker as well. At at three and a half million, 21 years old, is that someone you think we could maybe take a punt on? Yeah, um, you see, that's probably where we're going to look. Um, It's just the way we go about our business. Um, it's really going to, like I say, it's really going to depend on who the manager comes in. It's sort of, that is sort of a player that you sort of alluded to, um, Josh King earlier, uh, Callum Wilson even, who's obviously now at Newcastle. That also, that was all Bournemouth. That was all Eddie Howe. That is the sort of player that I can see how looking at looking at those um, lower leagues and picking out those gems. Um, so yeah, there's a lot of promise in that as well. A lot of people also speaking about Ivan Tony now. <laughs> completely missed the boat with Ivan Tony there and Stephen McGowan um, who we all know has great contacts at Celtic confirmed that Ivan Tony was at Celtic Park to sign a deal and that one fell through that blows my mind when you look at the kind of contribution he's had for Brentford this season he's probably going to go and spend um, in fact someone's going to go and spend serious money on him this summer and take him into the, the Premiership so for me, that that's a deal I can't believe we let slip through. Um, but there, I mean, there's some comments. Coming, I know there's some comments coming in just with some suggestions. But for me, one that I think people should go and take a look at, and I'm going to murder the the kind of pronunciation of this guy's surname, so I apologise. But Paul Onoachu, that's 
it's terrible pronunciation. He's a Nigerian striker that plays for Genk. He was formerly of FC Michelin, um, and he scored almost 100 goals in five seasons. Six foot seven inches tall. Roughly the going price for him is about seven to ten million pounds. That's us actually taking a look out into the European market and trying to replace Edward with an experienced striker. Do you think that's something we could potentially no, look at? I really don't. I think as well, um, in a Brexit climate as well, I really don't see that happening. Um, again, and I know I keep clinging back to, to how, but I think that's another crucial reason why we need to maybe look at somebody like Eddie Howe. This summer's going to be, it's very hard as well to talk about transfers when we obviously we don't even have a manager because somebody that Benitez would sign or Martinez would sign is going to be different to who Howe would sign or Jack Ross would sign. But I really, we will need to be looking, um, we will need to be looking at a lot in the lower leagues of, of English football, it really is. Understand that we missed that with with Tony, but um, that is sort of the market that we'll be looking in. I don't that I'm not going to try and butcher his name as well. But the last player that you mentioned, uh, yeah, that'd be great. I don't. I just do not see that happening with Brexit and probably probably still too pricey for us in the sense that like would we really. That's not really us to go and buy out the ready-made sort of striker. But um, no, I really see us looking um, under the the lower leagues of football, the lower leagues of English football, absolutely. I think if you get someone um, like Paul at Gink, I'm not going to say his name because I murdered it the first time, um, and you spend that kind of money, you, you see he's a, an experienced striker. He's scored consistently over the last five seasons. It's not as if it's just been... Um, someone that's kind of had a one-season wonder and he scored maybe 20, 30 goals in one season. It's consistent and it's across a couple of leagues as well. So you know what you're getting in. It's different to maybe spending something like £3.5 million pounds on someone like Patrick Klamala, who we saw he was playing in the Polish second division at the time and he wasn't exactly banging in the goals there. So you're actually buying experience. But as you said, that's not the route that Celtic's been going down this year. Do you think it's more to do with how much you'd have to spend out on someone like that that Celtic just wouldn't spend the money? But then we've spent £5 million on someone like Albion Ayeti this year, so it kind of balances it, doesn't it? Yeah, it does balance it. And as people said, obviously we paid like £9 million for Edward after Dembele. But I think the crucial fact there is obviously we had Edward on loan first um, and we, we did sort of see who he was. Um I just, I don't know, like I say, it's very, very difficult to talk about any sort of transfer when, when we don't have a manager um, in place or have any clue who it could be. And that really will dictate which markets we look into because who knows, maybe maybe Brexit won't have the impact that we also think about. Again, that's sort of, um, that'll be more Natasha's realms um, of knowledge than my own. I don't know how much of that that will play. Work permits, all of that jazz, that's... Um, it's uh, sort of the technical stuff that I just sort of try and stay away from, but like I say, it's just very difficult to to um, to anticipate who we who we could sign, who could be an option if we don't have a manager in it. And just I've kept one here as well that is potentially someone that fits into that complete mold that you've said. The kind of someone that's in the lower league, someone that's kind of free, young can mold them into a player, and it's uh, Balogun from Arsenal. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. Uh, um, so, um, Fowler in Balogun, 19 years old, American striker, um, he's out of contract this summer, been previously linked to Brentford, Leipzig and Rennes. Is that someone that would be potentially in the kind of the mix that Celtic should be looking at this summer? Well, yeah, he wouldn't be going to Brentford because they've got Ivan Tony. But, um, I like to say, it's all... If buttons and movies, but it's 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 exciting to look at these names. Of course, it is, and maybe exciting is not the word, but it's a little bit optimistic. You're sort of looking forward, but I don't know. It's it's hard because you look at some of the we talk about right that we don't spend the big money. You look at the big money that we have been spending in the last few years. Um, like you say, a yeti. Um, obviously, there's it's it balances. There's there's some class ones and there's some not so class ones at all so it's just trying to find that perfect medium you'd like to think that a, a, um, a top class manager would come in and sort of know what he's wanting but there's going to be flops everywhere of course there is um, like I say it's just very hard right now that you're seeing Ivan Tony like that story does not get any easier I think that's a week now since you told me that Tony was in the building and I think I've told everybody because um, I just I just can't get over that that is the biggest disappointment in a 
in recent times for sure. Certainly some some comments coming in here. Um, and we do welcome in uh, Lewis Laird from the Cynic who's saying that Arteta's confident that he will stay there. Um, yeah, I mean, I think Arteta's going to... It's one of those ones, I think it will depend on how Arsenal finish this season. If they get into Europe, I think he'll probably stay there. Um, if he doesn't, if Arsenal don't, then I don't know. Um, Barry John Milsip, I'm just going to bring this comment up here. I, I'm guessing this is on the... The Paul from Ghent, six foot seven striker that I was mentioning. Eight to ten million pounds on one player is too much as we probably have at least seven to eight to come in. And that's probably a really good point. Um I'm just looking at potentially what you would do um with the, the money that we you would get in for odds on Edward. I think everyone's sort of under the assumption that he will move on in the summer. Um but then this is all going to be down to what kind of manager we bring in and letting him pick his own players. But we're just kind of throwing some suggestions out there. Maybe some people will go away and take a look at um, the Scout tool that I know some of people have to take a look at some of these players. But, you know, you put these names out there and suddenly um, Celtic makes you an interest in them. I've seen that before. Yeah, absolutely. Like you say, it's, just, it's all just a waiting game right now and we'll just need to... Um to see who comes in the door first as manager and then we can start hopefully being a little bit more concrete in, um, in these sort of players. Durban Culture giving us a perfect segue here saying, can we win the Scottish Cup? Now, we were just discussing this on the Football Insomniac podcast, which airs at 11 o'clock on a Wednesday beforehand. Amy was my guest today um, and we took a look at what could be happening in the Scottish Cup. Now, um, our friend Ewan Robertson has confirmed in the Daily Record today that or oh, sorry, last night it was, that round two of the Scottish Cup could be played on the 23rd of March. Um, Celtic would be set to face either Arbroath or Falkirk in round three, um, which means there'd be 32 teams left, so you've got potentially another five games left in that tournament this season. Great news for anybody that had John Kennedy on as the next manager of Celtic at the bookies, because that means he would pass the 10 qualified games that you need to get your money back. I've seen quite a few people... Um, throwing their money on that now if you haven't you'll probably see that the odds are way way down so if anyone sees John Kennedy's favourite at the bookies for the job that's why because you'd have the 10 games in before the end of the season if the Scottish Cup goes ahead um, but yeah five potential games to play Celtic potentially going for five Scottish Cups in a row it's never been done in Scottish football um, in fact the record was broken in December when Chris Ayer scored that penalty we were the first team to win four Scottish Cups in a row uh, we've not lost a, a final since 2002 the omens are good but will we see Celtic um, playing in the Scottish Cup this season do you think it will go ahead? I don't know I really don't it's a total and utter mess um, who knows easily in the last two hours us being on pods things could have broke who knows um, I don't have a clue what's happening with League 1 League 2 um, if anyone does please let us know Um but it's a mess, it really is. I can't see it continuing. I, I, I cannot see it continuing if League One and League Two do not um, do not come back, because it's just Scottish Cup is massive. Um, like we spoke about it before, like for for me at Bonnerig Rose, obviously we played Dundee in the last round. And we were devastated that there were no fans in, but it's absolutely massive to these sort of clubs. Now that's Bonnerig, and we were we were hopeful we could maybe get in a few rounds but you're looking at something like Falkirk and Falkirk VR both uh, nobody's writing off that Campbell but Falkirk would be thinking right we can maybe have a wee run here and teams are going to think that and have every right to think that the Scottish Cup is massive so you can't just then say oh it's coming back but we're going to it's not going to work if like, all the League 1, League 2 and even those Highland League clubs that are still in it like it's just not going to file them out um, so until there's some certainty on if League 1 and League 2 are resuming then like I say, I know you're sort of posing this question on the basis of last night when it looked like the leagues were coming back. Obviously, this morning they've sort of went, nah, didn't fancy it. So mm-hmm. it is, it's, it's a total and utter mess right now. And as we said, what a shock that um, that the, um, the SFA are really poor at communication. What a shock. Yeah, Archie Ennis just coming in here saying that the First Minister confirmed the Scottish Cup is going ahead yesterday. Yes, she did. But the question we're putting out here is, how much integrity can it still have if the League One and League Two and the Highland teams don't participate in it? For example, Celtic are set to play either Arbroath or Falkirk. Now, Falkirk are a League One side. So if they decide that they don't want to come back, then what happens? We just play Falkirk. We play Arbroath instead. They're, they're in the Championship right now. Um, 
I'm, I'm right in saying that, are both in the championship, aren't they? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Dick, Dick yeah. Campbell, yeah. Yeah. So then that's us. We're into the round of 32. Forget about the second round because you don't need to play it. All those teams are already out. It just seems... I don't understand why they're trying to rush this in. We have a deadline if you want to play the game at Hamden because the, the stadium has to be handed over for the Euros this summer. But we do have a break in between the last scheduled game and the first game after the split of about three weeks, which to me seems ridiculous. We should be moving those games forward. But you could get these games fitted in in that period. This all seems to come back to money, and that's what we discussed earlier on. Money seems to be the issue here with the lower league teams. Should the government and should the SFA be trying to get some sort of investment to get this going if they really want to bring the Scottish Cup back this season? I would say, and touching back on, on the comment that you brought up, yeah, Nicholas Sturgeon did say that, and that was as when we were under the impression, because she also said League 1 and League 2 are coming back. They've now said they don't want to come back. They've said that this morning. So it does sort of throw up in arms, eh, throw up in air, sorry, that if they don't if they're not, if they don't want to play, then, then that's a big issue. Um, like you say, it's communication, it's money, it's all this. Um, and it's the same talking points that we've talked about f- for coming up a year now. Um Going back to, I think your original question was, can Celtic win it? I'd like to think so, but really right now, I don't know. Again, I think it's very hard to talk about a competition that I just I do not see going ahead right now because you just, you can't just say right now we're, we offered for you clubs to come back. You are choosing not to, but we're still going to run the Scottish. Like there's just it's just a mess. It is a total and utter mess, and there's people clearly out their depth. But like I say, the biggest issue is communication that. Why is that statement even coming out if they, um, if League One and League Two clubs actually don't want to come back in the first place? Surely they should have been consulted. I'm assuming that they weren't consulted in the fact that they then would have said, no, we actually didn't want to come back. Then he like, maybe put out that statement sort of thing. But it's just all a mess. Like it is, um, it's just, just a bit of a disaster. Just seeing Kenny Campbell coming in saying John Kennedy already the five to six favourite. It's just exactly what I said. Bookies will pay out once a manager, even if he's a caretaker, takes charge of roughly between eight to ten games. If Celtic make the league, the Scottish Cup final, John Kennedy will have played the ten, will have managed the ten games. Even if they make the quarter final, I think he'll have made the ten games. So that's why people's putting their money on now because they're looking to try and get something back off the bookies. I wouldn't take it in that uh, John Kennedy will be the next permanent manager. So don't don't be panicking over that one. Um, a couple of other. Points coming in, um, Zinco uh, again saying it complete another farce. The Scottish Cup this season, um, KS caretakers coming in saying hope the cup is cancelled because we are and I'll let someone else finish that. Um, but yeah, look, I think it would be a kind of nice way to wrap up the season. Um, okay, the season's been and some people don't want you to say it, but it's been a complete mitigated disaster from the start. Um, but imagine you came away winning the Scottish Cup. Um, that would kind of it would put a nice bow on this period of domination that we've had. And allow Do you think it would? Forward. I, I, I think I think so. I think you you can put the bow on it, knowing that it's done. You've got that kind of Scottish Cup. That kind of that, that finishes it. You then you've got something to look forward to for next season knowing that you've had that kind of run of games, you've won the Scottish Cup, you can look forward to next season. Okay. We'll agree to disagree, not for the first yeah. time today. Um, but yeah, I think, considering the season that we've we've had, if you at least get a trophy out of it, it's, it's better than nothing. I'm still not winning you over here, am I? I just, I don't think, that, uh, maybe it's just the phrase, I'm not a fan, like sticking a bone. I, I appreciate what you're saying, that you're sort of bringing an end to it, but um, oh, at the end of the day, Rangers have won the league, eh, so. <laughs> well, here, here's a better way of putting it from Kinky Cadetti, a nice cherry on a tub. That would probably be the nice way to kind of wrap up this season. Uh, but yeah, look, there's going to be a lot happening in the next 24 hours at Celtic. Um, and Jim Hannaway coming in just saying, dream on, Colin. We're not happy with a Scottish Cup after all the promise we had at the start of the season. And I completely agree with that. I do agree with it. Right? 
it's not what we we aimed for at the start of the season. Um, but considering the position that we find ourselves in, just to have some sort of trophy where to come out at the end of it, I think it's I don't know. Maybe it's the as you you've said that maybe it's the romantic in me that wants to see us at least lifting that trophy at the end of the season. Um, but I mean that's all about where the trophy will go ahead or not. We'll look forward to seeing what will happen. But what we do know is in the next 24 hours, there'll be lots more um, for the Thursday squad to discuss tomorrow. Uh, Paul John Dykes will be back hosting. He'll be joined by Declan McConville and JP Morgan. But just before we go, there is a kind of special on Monday. Amy, do you want to tell us a bit more about what will be happening on Monday's bulletin? I don't know where we're going to plug this. I'll we'll plug it again. Um, yeah, so uh, on Monday, um, Kevin and Russell are getting a wee day off after all their great work last night on Scream Celica, which is terrific. If you've not checked that out, um, that's well worth a watch. That was really good last night. Um, so yeah, uh, Natasha, Laura and I will be um, taking over on Monday and it's going to be an all-girls lineup. So it's just been a matter of time, really, hasn't it? It's about time some sense is said on this pod. So, um, yeah, look forward to Monday. And I, I apologise to JP as well. It's not <laughs> JP Morgan. That's the bank. It's JP Mason. Uh, but <laughs> just, to, just to clarify, you guys are on, uh, sorry, you, you girls sorry. are on on Monday uh, mm-hmm. because it's National Women's Day. Uh, yeah, so National Women's Day, are, yeah. You are hosting the, the show on Monday. Um, so we'll look forward to seeing that. Um, but, Until tomorrow, everyone, please take care, stay safe, and a massive... Patrizio Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, Direct-to-Consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on building trust. Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy, and we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. As the number one audio company, iHeart Media gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the data you need to grow. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. Social Podcast Network. Sports 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 Social Podcast Network. Step into the world of power loyalty and luck i'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse with family cannolis and spins mean everything now you want to get mixed up in the family business introducing the godfather at chabacasino.com test your luck in the shadowy world of the godfather slot someday i will call upon you to do a service for me play the godfather now at chabacasino.com welcome to the family no purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.